0: Uh, good morning, good to have everybody here. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn, to turn over to Luke chapter 8, we'll be looking at verses 4 to 21 from Luke chapter 8 and our time together. Um, have you ever wondered why some people can speak for 20 minutes and it seems like an hour and other people can speak for an hour and it seems like 20 minutes? It's a curious thing to me, and and so one of the areas that I've spent a lot of my time in, in the seminary, is this whole issue of how to communicate, whether it's in the context of preaching or teaching, um, what is it that engages audiences and so forth. So, So as a seminary professor, I spend a lot of time with seminary students, men that are going to become preachers and pastors. Okay, like, how do you communicate? And it's a very, very, very important part of the whole communication process. Someone's got to speak, and they've got to speak in an engaging, interesting, accurate fashion. All right, good enough. But you know, there can't be good communication unless somebody's listening too, right? And one of the things that's really kind of fascinating when you read through the Gospels, um, and we can learn an awful lot about how to communicate from Jesus just watching him. I understand that. It's an intriguing study in itself. But when Jesus talks to the topic, he spends more of his time talking about active listeners. And that's exactly what goes on in the passage before us today. Jesus unpacks this whole issue of being an active listener and what that, what that entails. My, uh, my dad is an avid Philadelphia Eagles fan. I don't know if that's good or bad to you. <laughs> All I'm telling you is it is. And I would call my dad an active listener. Now, I, I mean, I'm not a big f- football fan. I'm, I'm really a fair weather fan. I'll watch the highlights, and if they get in the playoffs, I might watch the game. That's pretty much it for me. My dad, like, he watches the draft when that happens on the, that Saturday. He just wa- I mean, he just says, "Doug, I, I'll be tied up this day. Oh, what are you doing? I'm watching the draft all day. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm gonna find out who they're gonna get. That's it. Okay. He's just. He's really into it. And on those game, days when the Eagles were playing and I call him up on the phone, I, I know what's more, but you know, well, I'm important to him. I mean, if it, was, if it was a dilemma, it would be important. But you know what I mean? I'm talking and saying, hey, Dad, what do you think about, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know he's actively engaged in something else, and at best, I'm second class at, at that moment. And back when his health was better every summer, He'd make a beeline over to Lehigh University and he would watch them work out before the season began. I I went once or twice with him and I thought to myself, there's better things I could do on a Saturday. Um, But my dad is actively engaged when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. If that's you, that's you. If it's not, it's not. It's not me. But for believers... Active, active listening is not an option. And what I want to do with you today, I want to just kind of look at a couple characteristics, descriptions, if you will. What does it mean for us to be active listeners? See, this is what I know. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean you're always an active listener, but it does mean that God is so at work in your life that eventually it'll become a reality. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's what I know as the scripture speaks on this topic. So what does it mean to be an active listener? Look at what the text says. Uh, Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And when a great multitude were coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. It's kind of interesting when you read this passage because you think to yourself, Look at this. All these people are coming now to hear Jesus. Like, here's his moment to just make it as clear as can be. You know what he ends up doing? He tells them a parable that if you don't ask him what it meant, you don't have a clue what it meant. Isn't that interesting? And there's a reason for it. We'll find out. So he tells them a parable. And this is a very, when he tells his parable, I mean, for us, we may look at it and say, I don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, everybody knew what he was saying when he talked about this. Perhaps, perhaps as he told the parable, you could look out and you could actually see farmers going out and just kind of throwing seed, uh, which is the way they would typically plant. So maybe that's even what's happening. We don't know exactly. But anyway, he tells the story. He says, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, look, at that point, they're just throwing out the seed, and some of it comes on that hard, beaten path, you know? It never goes anywhere. Birds come down, beeline to it, take it, and they're gone. Okay, that's it. Jesus says, that's what happens sometimes with seed. You know, you throw it out. That's what happens. Okay. People are listening to this. Large crowd saying, I guess we're getting an agricultural lesson today, right? They're just kind of listening. goes on to say this. Another seed fell on rocky soil. And as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Well, that makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, I, I, I do wonder sometimes, though, with my driveway, why it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, some of the most incredible... Weeds can grow in my driveway, and I know there's not much of anything there, you know. But, but normally, what happens is you plant, like if I planted a tomato tree, a plant, you see, I'm, a, I'm really good in this area too. If, if I planted it, and, and what I know is going to happen is if the soil is all rocky and stony and not very deep, that, that it's nothing's going to come to fruition there, ultimately, right? And so, Jesus says that's what happened. The guy's throwing out the seed, and some hits soil, and it's really rocky, doesn't go, seed doesn't go very deep. Nothing really happens with it, okay? that. That happens too. And he goes on saying, another seed fell among the thorns. Probably isn't the best place to plant stuff. Um, we try to like pull up thorns, but but just throws it, See, this guy's throwing it out, and some goes around among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it out, just suffocated it. Drowned it. Just, so so here you have this plant and there's thorns all around it. It grows, they grow, it's gone. Okay. And everybody's listening to this story saying, Yeah, I've I've seen that before. And maybe they're looking out the field and say, I see it right now. And then lastly, he says this in verse 8. Another seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. That's a whopping good produce. I don't know about you. I'm not much of a farmer. Uh, my, My tomato plants don't typically do all that well. But this this is really, really good. As he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, you know what happened with most of the people listening to that story that that day? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They heard the story about seeds and different soils and thought to themselves, well, that's kind of interesting. Like, when is he going to do the next miracle? You know? I mean, I want to see him. Yeah, me too. I want to see him. I mean, that's pretty much it. So they were listening to the story, but they're there for all kinds of reasons. But Jesus looks out to the group and he says, you know, there are some people out here who actually have ears to hear. They They are spiritually attuned and interested. They need to hear. So, the first description of an active learner, or listener, sorry, is that an active listener pursues the word because they have ears to hear. Notice what the next verse says. And his d- disciples began questioning him as to what this parable might be. See, that's what happens. I mean, those guys with ears to hear. Most of the people didn't really give a rip what that story meant. <laughs> I mean, they just were out there for the show. But there's some people, they heard that, and they said, like, what's he mean by that? that, that that's kind of important to us. I mean, if it comes from the, words, uh, from the mouth of Jesus, it must be important. And so they say, hey, Lord, what's it mean? They didn't know. But they were interested. They pursued it. Do you see? Because they had ears to hear. And Jesus responded to them in verse 10. To you, those with ears to hear. It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is in parables. In order that seeing they may not see. and hearing they may not understand. It's kind of scary a little bit, isn't it? You know what Jesus is saying? There are times... When God gives people what they want. So over a period of time, the crowds had gathered, the crowds had listened, and they wanted to see the next show or have this or have that. But they, I mean, they heard what Jesus said about the kingdom and the fact that he was going to be the fulfillment of all that God had promised in the Old Testament. Yes, yes, yes. And what that meant for our lives. Yes, 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 yes. But but that aside, what are you going to give me, Jesus? Do, do, Do you see? And at this particular point in Christ's ministry, at this point, and, and of course, he's gracious. He gives them many, many, many opportunities after this. Fair enough. But at this point, he wants them to know, when you're given truth and you resist it and you resist it and you resist it, sometimes what God does is um, he chooses to give, give you what you want. And in this case, he does it by giving them a cryptic parable that they didn't understand. And the fact that they didn't ask what it meant showed that they didn't want to know what it meant at the end of the day. Do you see? But those with ears to hear, active listeners, they pursue the word. Even though they don't don't fully understand it, they pursue it. Because they do have ears that are attuned to hear. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a strong text. Then, um, I guess I was thinking about it this way. I, I, I'm not an ex. I, I've, I've only done reading in this area, so, so I, I, I don't know a lot about this. But I'm told that many of the nursery, nursery rhymes that we teach our children have kind of political underpinnings. You know, Jack and Jill went up the hill to... Touch a pail of water, Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. And, and I was reading about it on the internet, which isn't always very trustworthy. But, but there's all kinds of potential meanings for what that actually entails. You know, and, and, and Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And, you know, they, they take it back to certain kinds of royalty and what, they ha- what happened with them. I, I don't know if that's which one exactly is true on that. I haven't done enough study and research into it. But I, what I do know is this. When I told my kids about Humpty Dumpty before they went to bed, which probably isn't a really good story to tell them. But, you know, I told them. I would tell them these stories. I didn't care about the political meaning. I just thought it was kind of an entertaining little story to tell. Them. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought about this big egg that fell and broke. I mean, you know, that's just kind of that was kind of my image, right? And that's how it is for a lot of the crowd. They heard that story and they just thought, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that in farming too. And that was it. Jesus said, those with Those with the people that really are active listeners go the next step and they pursue. What does it mean? Secondly, I notice in verses uh, 11 to 15 that active listeners live the word out of a good heart. It's in this passage that Jesus explains the parable. And, and I have to tell you, I know there's all kinds of debates. One of the big debates that people often say is, which one of these soils represent true believers and which of them represent people that are not real believers? They're lost, right? And, and there's, there's all kinds of debate. I'll, I'll tell you what I believe, and I'm happy to try to support it. But, but I, I would argue at the end of the day that the first three soils, none of which are true believers, and it's only the last soil that is really a true believer. Okay? But I want to explain some things because I say that people say, yeah, but what about? And I want to get to some of those what abouts. So in this passage, Jesus says, an active listener then, lives the word out of a good heart. So to be an active listener doesn't just mean I'd listen on a Sunday and hear what is said. Or read my Bible and hear what is said. Or listen to radio and hear what is said. It means... it. it does something in my life. So listen to how he explains the different kinds of people. So now his people come near and they say, so what does this mean? And Jesus says, let me tell you what it means. Look at what he says. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The word of God. Well, yes, we have the word of God before us right here. That's true. But I might say this. The word of God as Jesus here is speaking, is everything that God says that is fulfilled for us that is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So the word of God is about the story of creation and the fall of mankind and God's preparation through Abraham. All true and David. And it's all about Christ coming and living and dying and being buried and resurrected and coming. Yeah, it's the whole thing. And then it's also... As the resurrected Lord, the one that we profess as our Lord and Savior, how we're supposed to live. It's all that. So the seed is the word of God. What God has done in history through Jesus Christ and what he calls his people to do. Make sense? Now, how do people respond to that? Whole host of ways. So look at what he says. Here's three wrong responses. Jesus says in verse 12, those beside the road, that kind of hard beaten path, are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. You know, I notice a couple things there. I notice the word, when it takes root in a heart, is supernatural. And can take a life and allow someone to truly believe and be redeemed. And yet what happens is the devil is always constantly at work when his word is preached. Or taught or shared. Yeah, you've had that happen, you know. I mean, I've had it happen with relatives or, or, or like on the college campus where you share your faith. Oh, that's the dumbest stuff I ever heard. I mean, everybody knows that junk isn't true. And, you know, and people are beginning to respond like this. And what they don't realize, the devil is at work in their life at that moment to say, yeah, push that stuff off, man. Don't listen to that. Don't believe that story. Good grief if you believe that. You know, you push it away. Do you know anybody like that in your life? Yeah. And Jesus says, we live in a world where there are people, the word will never impact them. Now, could they at a later point be impacted by God's grace? Of course, of course. But don't let that dishearten you or discourage you. It's part of life. So Jesus tells his people, yeah, there's wrong kinds of responses. People do that. Here's what some other do, other people do. Um, Look at verse, uh, verse 13. And those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while. And in time of temptation, they fall away. Here's what's scary to me. I know individuals who, at least on the surface, it seems like the word has no impact into their life at all, right? Like that first soil. But I know other individuals where, at least initially, it seems like the word really takes. And what's a text say? They believe for a while, and then they fall away. Can people believe in a way that's what we might call spurious? Not true. I mean, people that have truly believed in Christ are transformed from the inside by his spirit. They're secure in their relationship with Christ. God preserves them for a lifetime. Okay. I I, I believe that with all my heart. But are there people who have a kind of a spurious faith that doesn't last? Have you seen people make professions of faith, and they're like a firecracker, for four months, maybe six months, and then you ask yourself, "Whatever happened to Joe?" And you never see him again. Well, Jesus says that shouldn't surprise us. There are people who will believe for a while, and in time of temptation, and what, and the word temptation can also be translated trial. There are certain individuals that what happens is the pressure of life comes upon them, the difficulties of life. They lose something that's precious to them, whether it's a loved one or whether it is something they possess or a job or a whole host of things. And in that moment, they become embittered against God and they walk in the way and they say, that Christianity stuff is junk anyway, and they go their own way. Have you met people like that? Now, does that mean for a believer when heartache and loss comes, that it's a cakewalk? No. It is hard. It is deep. But you see God doing something refining in their life that only God can do. So there are some who by the very way they respond to the word indicate that their faith is not a true faith. And the word at best, has a partial impact. But there's, there's not, an, and please what I want to be careful, when, when I read the second, third soil, I, I see myself at times in my life doing the exact same thing. Do you? The difference is, for a true believer, that doesn't become the overarching pattern for our whole life. That becomes the experience at events but not as a pattern. Because, so what he's looking at is not, oh, I blew that on Tuesday afternoon. What he's looking at is, what does the life of a believer look like? Do, do, do you see the difference? So some people partially, I mean, for a while they are a firecracker, and then trials come into that life, and it's, they dry up because there's really no depth in that soul. It says thirdly, Verse 14, and the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, okay, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity, none. Tried to plant some tomatoes last summer. My wife told me, honey, that soil's not good and it's not getting enough sun. And I said, Oh, it'll be okay. And she was right. <laughs> I mean, we had some, I think they were gonna to be tomatoes, maybe. <laughs> but they never happened. You know, it just it just never happened. And, and 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 so so does that happen in people's lives? Are are there individuals who They come to faith, and and I read this passage. Does anybody in here not struggle with with the worries of this world? Like, am I the only one? No, I, I do, okay? Do you ever find yourself tempted by the pleasures of this life and the riches around us? We all do. Matter of fact, over in Luke chapter 21... And another appeal given directly to disciples, again, he tells his people, be very careful and watch out for this because it's going to be, it's going to be, it's like thorns that's just going to kind of grab you and eventually suffocate you. So can Christians struggle with these kinds of things? We all do. But Let me tell you the difference. A true Christian in time will produce fruit. Those kinds of things at some point will begin to say, yeah, that's alluring. (laughs) But Jesus is much greater than that. I can't keep doing this, God. You're bugging me about it all the time. Yeah, that's right, spirits within. And he won't let us stay there. And so when you look at the pattern of somebody's life, you say, yeah, God works. But there are individuals who live their entire life smothering suffocating, drowning, choked, and they never change. But you, but they'll tell you, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was five. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm really, really happy about that. But where's the life? You know, I'm told I was at my birth. I just don't remember it. But how do I know I was born? How do you know I was born? You weren't there either. Because I'm alive. Right? You see, when God is at work, and I want to be so careful because I'm not trying to say the yeah, Christian life is an easy life. We don't have any struggles. We just dance along. That's ridiculous. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you hear me saying that, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. Jesus says, people that are active listeners, true believers, will become active listeners by the way they ultimately live. Because I am at work in their heart. So the first three, some people know impact, other people they play. I mean, if you go down south, There are so many people that tell you they're Christians. You think to yourself, man, there should be revival everywhere. But it's just a cultural deal. It's not deep. It's not transformative. Look at the last soil. Verse 15. And the seed in the good soil. These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good what? Heart. And hold it fast and bear witness with perseverance. If you go back to Luke chapter 6, what's called the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus will say, out of the good heart, good words are produced. Now, that good heart isn't something that Doug Finkbeiner produces in his life, is it? Not on your life. So what this text is saying is there is some kinds of soil, good soil, good heart, that has been transformed by God. And we would say because the person has trusted in Christ alone for their for the eternity, he has given of his spirit, and there is transformation coming out of that soul. That is a good heart. It's not something I produce, it's something he produces. But you throw seed into a heart that's been transformed by God. And even I would see fruit. I mean, as bad of a farmer I am, you give me like really good soil, really good soil, and I just kind of throw that thing in there and go away. And it's good soil, man. It's not all kinds of thorns, and it's, it's deep and rich. No birds around to worry about. Or in our case, rabbits. Um, It's going to produce. Because the soil is good soil. And Jesus says, active listeners, not only do they pursue the word, because they have ears to hear. That's why, you know, God God made us that way spiritually. But, But they also live the word. Because it comes from a heart that's been transformed by him. Does that make sense? And like I said, we all struggle. You go back to Luke chapter 6 and Jesus will talk about the good heart. And then he'll look at his disciples and he'll say, yes, you have a good heart. But why is hypocrisy coming out of you sometimes? I mean, yes, it's us. We struggle. We struggle. The difference is we yield at the end of the day may take time, but God does that work. Thirdly, active learners revere the word because of their accountability to God. Look at verses 16 and 17. Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it up with a container or puts it under a bed. But he puts it on a lampstand in order that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that shall not become evident, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. Now look, if you're living in the ancient world, there's no electricity. All you've got is a candle. It's dark outside. There's no street lights. Um, And Jesus says, does anybody like in the middle of the night, they need light, take a candle... And they find a container somewhere, like that trash can over there, and they put the candle down, and they they put the trash can over it. And Jesus says, well, of course people don't do that kind of a thing. Because a candle is there to shine so you can see. Now, this truth is picked up over in Matthew chapter 5 to talk about the fact that you and I should be lights for God, showing off his word, right? We all know that. I don't think that's the way he's using the imagery here. This is much closer to what we find in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Where what he says is this, and this is what's awesome. God says, that's true. When you have a light, you let it shine. That's how I want you to live, Matthew 5. That's true. God says, that's how I work. I have given you the light of my word. I don't hide it. It is right out there. It is here before you. So that you might respond to it. And he goes on there in verse 17. Nothing is hidden that should not become evident. When will that happen? When will things that I, Doug Thinkbinder, thinks is, is hidden. When will that become evident to, to all? In this life? Maybe. Somewhat. Ultimately. In the world to come when I stand before God. So he says. I've given you my word. So you might know my truth. And live my truth. Because one day in the future. You will stand accountable to me. But aren't we forgiven by Jesus Christ? Yes. For forgiven people. Or changed people. And you will stand one day before me. You will be accountable to me. You know what I find? Sometimes when I hear warnings in God's Word, I go like, "Ooh, I don't know if I like that." It's kind of negative, kind of hard. It's true, but do you know there are acts of God's grace to you? Because God is saying, "I want you to know this now, so that you can be changed now, and you can rejoice in My presence." in the future, by what I've done in your life. So yes, you have warnings now. Yes, you have negative things now. Yes, it's all true. You read this, am I right? I mean, you read some stuff in the scripture, you're like, woo, it's hard. But they're words of God's goodness and grace to us to let us know what we really need to do. And active listeners, they revere this word. Because they know one day, they will answer as stewards for how they responded to it. See, Doug, that's a little bit negative. It's also totally true. (laughs) Right? If you read over in Luke chapter 19, interesting parable that Jesus gives about different individuals who will stand before him, some who have been faithful in the way they've handled their stewardship, some that haven't. And this particular verse, what you find in verse 17, is quoted almost verbatim over in Luke chapter 19 and verse 26, where Jesus says this at the, uh, uh, within the parable. Jesus says, the master says to these servants, I tell you, to everyone who has shall more be given, and from the one who does not have even what he does have, shall be taken away from him. Which is why he says here in verse 18 of Luke chapter 8, therefore take care how you listen, Christian, for whoever has to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. I, I, I don't mean to be this scary. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? So take, take, take your case up with God. But... um One of the passages that frankly sets me back on my heels is that passage in Matthew 7 where you have people who stand before God and they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all kinds of things in your name, in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your names? We've done this. And and Jesus will look at them and say, what? I I once knew you? Well, I never knew you. hear me, folks. Change that comes in our life, works that we do, are never a condition or the cause of our salvation. Do you know that? The cause of our salvation, we are saved by grace, through faith, alone. That's it. But true faith is never alone. It is always accompanied by, it is always evidenced by, A life that is not perfect, but a life that is progressing and changing. Do you see? And Jesus looks out and he can say, take care how you hear. Because those with ears to hear will. They will hear. They will realize they're accountable to God. They will let him do their work. So when we stand before God, we can stand before God and rejoice over what he has done in a life. Active listeners revere the word because of their accountability to God. And lastly, active listeners love the word because it is connected to Jesus. Look at what he says here at the very end, verses 19 to 21. His mothers and brothers, his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. Remember, there's people all over the place. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. And he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Well, that's strong, isn't it? Do you mean... Do you mean my spiritual connection to Jesus makes me closer to him than his, than his mother was? Yeah. His, his, his half-brothers? hmm Because Jesus says the kind of family... That is most important is being part of his family and being related to him. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us Jesus was not ashamed to be called our brothers, our brother. He was not ashamed to walk with us and then to transform us and to bring us into this family. And Jesus says, let me tell you something. If you know me, you're one. And if you're one with me, you're part of my family. And if you're part of my family you love what i love so we love the word because the word is connected to the one we love jesus our older brother can i mention one other passage here this takes just oh, i love it same chapter luke chapter 8 remember remember the parable i'm sorry the, the miracle where where jesus heals the woman who had this uh uh, hemorrhage issue for, for 12 years. And it's a great story. Maybe sometime I'll come back and preach it. It's a really, really great story. I love it. But I, I want you to notice just one thing about this miracle. Look, look at Luke chapter 8 uh, and verse 48. This is so good. When he has the woman identify herself, and there's all kinds of really neat things going on there which we don't have time to look at. But I want you to notice how he addresses her. And he said to her what? How does he address this woman? Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I've often wondered why he calls her daughter. Some scholars say, well, she's a true daughter of Abraham. Okay. That can be used in the gospel sometimes. I got it. But coming right on the heels of this passage, you know what I think he's telling her? Here is a woman who's been ostracized from the society because to be unclean physically is to be unclean socially. Here is a woman, had she lost her husband? Who knows? Had he divorced her? I don't know. The story. We don't know any of that stuff in the story. But what you get the picture of it is this woman breaks through the crowds. All she wants to do is just touch Jesus. And she figures... Then, then I'll get healed, and then I'll just slowly go away from here. Because people that actually know me don't even want me touching anybody because I'll, I'll make everything unclean anyway. But there's something to Jesus. I've got to get to him. And Jesus won't let her get away, not because he's trying to embarrass her, but because he wants everybody to know this woman is no longer socially unclean. Matter of fact, she's connected to me. Daughter, go in Peace. Do you see? There was a time in your life, if you know Jesus Christ, where you were as desperate as could be. You were spiritually dead and hopeless, and God in His grace touched your life when you trusted in His Son, forgave you of all your sins, and brought you in the family, and now God the Father calls you son and daughter. Jesus calls you brother and sister. How could we possibly walk away from family and kind of just do our own thing? Active listeners love the word because the word's connected to Jesus. Do you see? So what's the point? At the end of the day, true believers will actively listen. Every day of their life and every moment? No. Do we all fall, disappoint God, come back to him in confession? Absolutely. It's, It's every day for us. But the difference is, God is at work. And we are responding. And we're not perfect people by any means. We won't be till we end up in heaven itself. But we are progressing toward it slowly, aren't we? Because God is doing a work in our lives. True belief. And so what Jesus does in this passage is, look, you have ears to hear. You know me. Hear. Take care how you hear. Hear in such a way that you believe it in your soul. And live it in your life. Not perfectly. But progressively. You know what I think this text is basically telling us to do? Be who you are. Become who you already are. You're one with a good heart. Who has ears to hear. In the family of God. Well then be that. By the way you listen. And the way you live. You know, with my dad, I don't really have to call him up on a Sunday and say, did you know the Eagles are playing today? <laughs> oh, man, he knows it. Um, I, I don't have to call him up and say, no, dad, I, I, I really would like you to watch them today. You know, um, I, I know there's other things you want to do, but c- would you consider watching the Eagles today? No, 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 man. man he, he's there, man. He wants it, right? So when Jesus looks at his people and says, listen, actively listen, he speaks to people in their heart that say, yeah, I want to. Will you let him do that work in your life? And if 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 you're here today and you say, I really don't know what you're talking about, Doug. Like, I mean, just way over my head. I don't know what all this stuff is all about. I guess what I would tell you is, you need to come in a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time in your life. And then what seems fuzzy and confusing and all that kind of stuff, for the first time in your life, you'll say, oh, wow, this is what life's all about. Because right now you're running everywhere else. Jesus wants you to come to himself, find forgiveness only through him. Be brought into his family. And then learn what it means to become a forgiven follower of his. And he would love to do that work in your heart today. Father.